You're listening to Red Nation Online. Mullins, top of the area, left-footed drive into the back of the net. First MLS goal for the rookie, and what a goal it was! Mullins emphatically ties the game for New England. <laughs> that is, it's just said chills down his spine, Brad. Saturday, May 3rd. It's Andre Zadorozny and I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from BMO Field, wet, covered in bugs, and not just disappointed by a 2-1 loss to the New England Revolution, but especially the manner in which it happened. Good teams don't lose twice in a row. TFC have now lost three straight, and there are many questions to be asked. We look at why Jermaine Defoe and Gilberto are struggling to look prolific. How much of this falls on Ryan Nelson? and finish up discussing the upcoming Canadian Championship and how much TFC should put into winning it in 2014. All this and more in the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Checking on the bottom. Check, 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 check. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello. Pick it up from there. So, Andre. What's that about? How about those Raptors? Stink. No, they don't, but they drop They drop great in game six horribly. And by the time this podcast is live, we don't know what will, what happen. will happen. Hopefully they've won and then uh, that will hold up. Well, 85% of teams who win game five always win games, win Seven? the series. Well, really? they win the series, yeah. So, And it's at home in Toronto, so... Drake will be there, so I'm sure that's all the inspiration they need. Yep. Clean, getting rid of that lint. That's right. You want to see that? <laughs> I never even pants. saw it, but I would take I would take linty pants over soaking wet ones. I, any, any day. day. Hey, speak of the devil, my yep. pants are soaked. Yep. And Why is that? Because it was Ian a, Clark. It was another typical. I don't know. I, I don't know what you call it. The early part of the season at BMO Field. Oh, and that early May rainy, cold losses. Yeah, it's they're tough to sit through. Brutal. We've, we've been through a lot of them. I feel like, though, more often than not, we've been through rainy shit games where they've managed to pull it out. Mm-hmm. Those have been the one glimpses of something hopeful on a horrible rainy day. Right. Last year, I think it was the one against Columbus, that 2-1 win, torrential downpour. Yeah. I can think oh, of man. the Chicago 4-1 win a few years back. It was in torrential downpour, and today wasn't like that, but it was raining most of it, and it just... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's it took out the motivation from the side when it came down. I can't think of I'm making an excuse. Yeah, cold rains stopped everybody from playing better than the first half. It was sad. It was crazy how it was a pathetic fallacy. You know what that is? A pathetic fallacy? Pathetic pathetic fallacy. Pathetic fallacy. Not is, prophetic fallacy. No, pathetic. Pathetic. Okay. Pathetic go ahead. fallacy, if I'm correct, and I think I am. Uh, it's like it, a, like a like a pebble in the pond. It, like a pebble in the pond. Like uh, if in Rome, when, when in, in Rome, Rome, do as such. But uh, pathetic fallacy is when the weather is in, uh, the weather matches the feeling. So it's like in a novel. So if it starts to rain and someone is crying, or there's something trouble afoot, uh, or there's a thunderstorm, so the weather, or they do that in movies uh, too, right? So, so the action between the human beings is mimicked in nature. So my point is that in this second half, as it started to rain, cold rain, Toronto stuck. Remember in uh, Lord of the Rings, the two towers, 
when the battle was happening, yeah. and then Gandalf came and it was sunny. That's right. Pathetic fallacy. Pathetic. 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 All right. Yes. I'll leave it. I'll just. I'll take your word. Take for my it. word for I'll it. Take your word for it. I mean, that's what Twitter is for. And that's right. In the comment section. That's right. You, can, that's right. you can rip into Andre. Uh, there. Don't worry. I'm sure someone will. You can find. Try to find him on Twitter. I don't yeah, think you luck. will. At Spleeps. Learn how to spell it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So here's here's the here's we're gonna set this up, Andre. We're gonna gonna start getting into this game. I thought we we're where we're coming. We're, yeah, we're, I thought we were finished. <laughs> I wish. I wish that was it. I wish we could just see like, and we'll catch you guys yeah, next yeah. time uh, right. when we play Vancouver. At Clark, I are do you really want to ERS go over this game? Oh man, too bad. The thing, the question I asked in the countdown, Andre, is Michael Bradley's laid it laid it out there, put down, shown his cards, saying good teams don't lose two in a row. Now, not only has Toronto lost two in a row, they've now lost three in a row. Right. Unsettling. We're officially a bad team. <laughs> we're officially not a good team, no. I guess. It's like but that. It's that badge that we never really got rid of. Mm-mm. I, I mean, I made I used a really bad analogy that was like getting over a cold. Yeah. Right. You're always going to have um, vestiges of of cold or sickness for a few weeks after you're. You know what I mean? Like you just be careful. And this is with Toronto. Toronto is when you just see old Toronto. They just rear their ugly heads. And and it's it's it gets worse because that we've done all we can to make a healthy body. We've done all we can. We've added the numbers. We've added stars. We've added money. We have all these grand scheming and wonderful MLSC, Lewicki, Bezbachenko ideas. Mm-hmm. And then when shit hits the fan, like the second half that we saw, tied one one, they were just brutal. So I, I it, you know, it's as my brother always says, it's you know they've gone to the past, and it's not a long past. No, it's recent, and it's. I think it's a little disconcerting. I I know there'll be different sides of the coin, and, and there'll be different sides to discussion. But you know, I'm actually hearkening back to, I think it was the start of 2012, and uh, you know, we would be sitting here with Tim and Steve, and mm. we got off to obviously a, a bad start. Right. I think it was Owen. It was Owen three. And, you know, we, we were kind of making excuses. And I think it was after the Columbus game. And we had so many chances close to goal, mm-hmm. right? We had we almost were in there and we lost one nothing. And we're, <laughs> we were talking about the game and going over, you know, it's you know it's nothing to be worried about. And then Tim kind of just like... I wrote down that they were right... That almost every other minute there was something they came at us. And it was a missed chance in almost every opportunity. And it was, the, I just, 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 I, I don't... I just want to say, like, after three games... I've been negative goal difference minus six yeah. and zero wins and three losses. Like you can't, you can't. I can't. I'm struggling to say like, the result. Say, the result the, the, doesn't show is, anything. This yes. is this is a positive. <laughs> this is like I'm struggling with the the concept that you can lose three games in a row, yeah. have seven goals scored against you, and Tim. score one. And it's like anything other than just like a. T- it's going. It's going to be a bloodbath the rest of the season, buddy. But that's what it's, it's going well, to get worse. Keep it real, then. Keep it real, Steve. It's only going to get worse. This is the only time. Let's I keep can it say. real. Like I mean, and in the same sort of discussion, I mean, we're not zero three, but we have lost three on three in a row. We're now like three four and zero. Yeah. So and we've, we're one and two at home. I mean, there's there's nothing good about that. And that's, no. that was similar to that year. Those, those losses were coming at home. There's obviously something wrong uh, at this stage that I think Ryan Nelson has to quickly figure out what's going on. And unfortunately, we have another week off. Yeah. Uh, we have obviously Vancouver, Vancouver midweek at Wednesday. home. But it's not a league game. So I think if that doesn't work out, it can kind of be swept under the carpet. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of the, the thing that I think as we talk through this game, I don't think that any like there will be some lamenting but i think on our way home we we're saying we should, we'll try not to 
be more like really pile on. Yeah. Talk about, you know, what we're thinking is, is right and wrong and, and maybe try to what could be working better. Right. But at the same time, you know, you got to keep it real. I do think we after this game, I was very disappointed that after a week break, almost a two week break, mm. this was the display we saw from what was probably our best starting 11. Yeah. Or 80% fit or 90% fit. Yeah, and I don't mean to discredit New England because I think they're a very good side. Mm -hmm. But they're on a good streak. They've got great attacking talent. They have a lot of potential. But, I mean, we saw from this game, this wasn't like New England dominated us in a 2-1 win. It was was a mistake that they countered as well as a penalty that was earned, right? That's not... And so, with that in mind, Toronto at home should be taking it to almost every team in the league, maybe except for a team like the Galaxy or maybe if Seattle comes to town or rails Salt Mm -hmm. Lake um, or Kansas City, there's a couple teams you would expect to stand toe-to-toe. This this was a game I really would have expected a lot more, Mm -hmm. and I don't think we can make excuses about the pitch or the weather or whatever. Uh, they should have been hungry to really make a statement, and they didn't. They didn't make a statement at all. I mean, the the two goals... The two goals that New England had were mistakes, errors. So at least you can say that they didn't give up those goals. They gave up the goals in an awful way in terms of just the unfairness of the game and how this game can, football in general, can can go against you. And But other than the second goal, the first goal, yeah, it was a series of sloppy mistakes. And it was intermixed with some actually decent play in the first half. But you have moments with Toronto simply cannot sweep under the carpet or or even out the edges of moments of complete sloppiness. And the relying on certain players to get them out of holes, even Stephen Caldwell played poorly today, and especially in that second half. He wasn't immune to it either. Bradley had a mediocre game. He's coming off an injury. Defoe, Defoe wasn't getting any service. And the one chance he did have, he, he missed. So... It was a a perfect storm of 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 kind of mediocrity, uh, and the fir- and the Toronto goal itself was a deflection. So both teams were lucky in their goals, and well, I mean, the, the conversion for New England was better in that first goal. It was a beautiful goal. Um, it, from where I was sitting at one ten in the first half, it didn't seem to be an Cesar's fault, as some people on Twitter were saying. Uh, it was just a beautiful goal. And a capital a capitalization on on Toronto's errors. Mm-hmm. So the the game itself wasn't a pure, pretty game by any means by both teams. I mean, but New England had the patience and wherewithal to kind of see Toronto fuck it up yep. and make their own mistakes. Yep. Okay. Well, you've you've touched on I think some key points that we'll probably reiterate as we go through the game because I kind of want to go I want to go through the lineup and some and and sort of some some highlights of the game so to speak. Uh, and of course, we mentioned you know this was. I was looking forward to this game in a lot of ways because you're, as the week was going through, or sorry, as we were going through the week, we saw that everyone was getting healthy, except mm-hmm. for Jeremy Hall, I think, was the only one. And I don't think that's anyone feels that's a major blow at this point. So we obviously saw Cesar between the posts again, as we've seen every week. We got Morrow, Caldwell, Henry's back after a few games being missed, Bloom holding it down and right back, and then probably what we'll probably discuss quite a bit, actually just everything moving forward. You have Jackson... Uh, Kyle Becker again in there, Michael Bradley, Jonathan Osorio's back, and Gilberto and Defoe up front. And I think this is the side that most of us would have been We're, sort of chomping at the bit oh, yeah. to see back on the pitch, not only to see them starting, but back at BMO Field. Well, that's all the press was talking about. It was talking about, well, we're fit. We're more or less fit. Mm-hmm. We have a, f- a full squad 
that can take it to New England. I I don't think anyone could honestly say they th- they thought we'd lose that game today. No, there's no way. Not with what we were, how we were playing in the first half of the season with Defoe in the lineup and Bradley healthy. Yeah. So, so this game kicks off and we see the great fireworks. And if we can kick start this off with the sights and sound, I was kind of joking how I wish instead of fireworks they just put a bug repellent right <laughs> and just doused the whole stands with yeah. it. And this is the, obviously I'm sure people were seeing this on Twitter and anyone who was in the stadium was like. I didn't want to talk to people because I was getting a mouthful of bugs. Yeah. It was it was something. It, I think in the last couple of years we've seen, we have seen this joke of like the bugs descending on BMO Field. For the first two weeks, I mean, I used to live in the area, so the first two weeks of May, it's always like that. Just tons uh, of bugs everywhere. It was I don't awful. know where. Why, I don't know the science behind why they're all molting or mating. Or what is or it what? in this area? I, I don't know. The lake could be the lake. I don't know. Either way, there was a lot of protein in the air. Yeah. I got my mouth full of, mm. of bugs, that's for sure. And then, of course, the one thing that I wanted to touch upon that starting lineup, because I think there was a slight adjustment in the last podcast that I did with Kristen Knowles over at uh, the Vocal Minority podcast and Waking the Red, was I kind of threw that question out there because we'd seen a couple games with Kyle Becker, and he kind of looked, starting to look more uh, like a professional. Yep. He was playing with his head above water. He was doing more good things than bad things. And then I sort of threw that question out there because... Jonathan Astoria been paired with Michael Bradley at the start of the year was, can Ryan Nelson find a way to maybe get them both on the field? Because I feel like Jonathan Astoria is definitely a positive on the field, mm-hmm. and I would almost like him on there. I would like him on there anywhere, right? Rather than him sit out and and let and but also I want to see Becker out there mm-hmm. because Becker is a guy that I'm that I think the more he plays, the better he's going to get. Right. And while he didn't have a great game today, I still think he needs these games for him to become like a solid professional midfielder. Yeah, he needs he needs to play. Period. And I, he, he didn't have an awful game. Mm-hmm. He, he had his moments of a bit of a bit of uh his some problems, but all in all, I think he was probably one of the better players on the pitch today. Yeah. And he I mean, tried. He really put his head in there. Literally. He's just not a physical player. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the one thing I think people want or expect from that defensive midfielder. They want a little more a little more grit. And he doesn't have that in his game yet, but he he does he's shown a little bit more uh, willingness to kind of get in the mix. Does you know? he even have the size to be that kind of player? I mean, Bradley plays hard because Bradley's a big, big guy. Yeah. Um, Becker. Well, but he could bulk up. Yeah. You know, if he if he's still young, you know, he can still probably put on a what few What is pounds. he, like 22? You no, know, I think he's 23 or 24 at this point because he would have done his full college career. Uh. Um, so I think he's 23 or 24 at this stage. But I mean, in MLS especially, but in, in world football too, you see so many instances of guys hitting their stride when they're 26, 27, 28. Well, Hall, Hall got bigger. Yeah. Hall's But really I mean, players, players turning into really good players right. like Graham Zussi ah, is one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys like, uh, I mean, Jermaine Beckford was a player who didn't become a good striker uh, in the championship. But I'm just saying, like, sometimes mm. you don't see this happening at 21, 22. Right. You see guys becoming really uh, yeah. more dangerous oh, later on in the body 20s. matures and the mind matures and they play, right they get the minutes in you got to get the minutes in otherwise you're just going to stunt yourself you're yeah stunt your growth. even drogba wasn't a great striker when he no. was in his early 20s it's it true. took him till his mid-20s become prolific so yeah, he was a late late bloomer he's famous for that yeah like 26 27 so i mean early on in this game this was this was kind of the story of the game i guess is that we came out strong and i think people will be talking about this that really in the first 10 minutes, you know, you saw these great chances from uh, Gilberto and uh, not being able to convert. We saw in the second minute Defoe getting a chance to Gilberto that just didn't didn't click. Uh, you saw that play where Defoe kind of 
laid it on to uh, Osorio. He kind of didn't really see it and kicked it into his own path. Yeah. But then Gilberto was converging on that ball as well. And it's just the confusion, just nothing really came yeah. of that. And then, of course, in the sixth minute, we saw Jackson have this shot that it <laughs> just, it was from, you didn't, at first, I think when you saw, you didn't realize it deflected. Yeah. It looked like maybe he, the goalie thought he was going to go far post and he just, and Shuttleworth just stood there and let it watch it go right by him. But as you saw, it did deflect off the New England defender right. and into the back of the net. And for a moment there, I was praising Jackson. <laughs> that brief moment. The brief moment. The glint in your eye. Oh my gosh. And then like, it all went to shit. And then it did all go to shit. Because uh, I think the two the two things I took away from that first half especially was, you know, Gilberto had those, those missed chances. I think his last one really uh, was in the 30th minute. But... I just got to say there was I think there was two or three times where Jackson would get the ball on the wing and I know I saw Gilberto make he had the perfect run where if he had just received the ball turned and, and put it up field yeah. Gilberto would have been in a really dangerous position yeah. and if I'm not mistaken there was another one with, with Bloom yeah and the same thing happened and he just took the ball and just hesitated and the play just went right by him. And a few times. Did that with Defoe, too. Yeah. I mean, I know when I was in the first half, a lot of that was in the first half. And he had, you could just see paths of, of, of movement that he could have just got that ball through and part of the defense. And Defoe would have gone through. Gibraltar would have gone through. And he just, it's as if he's, um, it's as if he's just tem- timid. He's scared. And, and that's just. Which is scared? You're saying scared to like pull the trigger because he obviously isn't scared to to challenge for the ball. I mean, no, he, he wins no, the ball. Right. By, that's the strange thing about Jackson is he has this one strength is that he's willing to fight for the ball and win it back because that's that's all on him, right? See, both both situations are all on him. This one is more when he's attacking for the ball and attacking defense. He's his physicality and he wants to attack the ball. But when it comes to that individual skill, because that pass needs to be perfect, and maybe he doesn't have the confidence in his passing which is sad because he shouldn't be put in those positions then in order to make those passes. Someone like De Rosario maybe would be a better choice simply for the fact, or Rosario, simply for the fact because they can push the ball forward and have a better a better, uh, better skill on the ball. Right. So if you have someone like Jackson who had a lot of touches in that first half and is not making those passes, then uh, Nelson should be really be thinking about something else, which he did later on, but by then it was too late. Yeah. And I think, you know what, I think you just brought something up. Interesting that... Maybe people will start discussing or figuring out what our combination is going to be. And I know that when I had that conversation with Kristen Knowles and I sent her out a, a tweet to be like, haha, look, Becker and Osorio is on at the same time. And she was saying, as long as he's not on the wing. And I'm, I'm sorry. I don't have a problem with Osorio playing out wide because I distinctly remember that his breakout game last year was against Philadelphia mm-hmm. Union. I think it was a 1-1 draw and he was out on the wing. Mm-hmm. And I know people want to see him in the middle pulling the strings and being more involved. However... I just think his, he will be a, a better asset for for us out there than someone like Jackson. Mm-hmm. And, and Osorio also brings that grit and determination to win balls back, yeah. but has better touch on the ball and better passing. Right. You bring in someone like Di Rosario, not only are you bring someone, A, who can who can score goals, but is also a guy that's that's been good on set pieces. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like if you have the choice between Di Rosario and Jackson— I think I'd rather, at this stage, from what I've seen, I'd rather give De Rosario a go. I was a little surprised that Dero didn't start. And I realize he's older, but he's not crippled. So, and he's got, <laughs> he's not, you know, I, I don't, I don't buy it. He's 30, what, 34 years old. He's 35. Not, 35. Okay. So, 
he can still when he was came on in the 80th minute and he had touches on the ball there was skill there that we were sorely lacking the most of that game and Jackson doesn't have it so to me let him let him set stuff up let him get shots on goal let him play the first uh 60 minutes of the game 70 minutes and we're up 3-1 hopefully right he has the wherewithal whereas Jackson a player of Jackson's caliber does not so I was a little confused at that. And in the 80th minute, I was like, why wasn't he on earlier that he would be making these plays? Because everything changed up there. I mean, a lot of things didn't change, but in those individual moments where Dero was playing, there was a significant change. And I felt more confident seeing him on the pitch than off of it. So the one thing I wanted to, I don't want to forget, because I, I know at the beginning of the podcast, you know, we threw out a lot of little bits and I wanted to expand on a few of the things. And the other one was, I jumped ahead. Obviously, in the 23rd minute, that was a, a key moment, I think, in the game was where we saw a really poor pass from Daniel Henry right up the middle that was uh, brought back up to Patrick Mullins, mm. who finished it. And, and I think that, the obviously, you mentioned it was that there was a little bit of, uh, I think, Kurt Larson tweeted, and I, I don't know if he was talking, if he was watching the telecast or he was hearing someone, but he said something about it, like UK commentators were saying that's on Cesar, that goal. The one thing I wanted to comment on that was... To me, that shows uh, ignorance towards the knowledge and the background of NCAA players mm -hmm. and who these guys were and not giving enough credit to Patrick Mullins, right. who was a prolific scorer at Maryland, rightfully a top 10 draft pick. And he showed it. And he showed it. And it was it's like, that's goal. it's almost like, I know, because I, I saw that tweet, was that Aaron Nielsen is the guy in Red Nation Online who just knows the NCAA in and out, knows all these stats. And I know when he scored that goal, he had a smile on his face because he would have... He would have predicted that guy to come in and kind of do something. And that kind of goal probably wasn't surprising. Yet, if you don't follow NCAA, you probably wouldn't like, who's Patrick Mullins? Right. Why did this guy just score a great goal? Mm -hmm. Cesar, you look like shit. Yeah. And it's it's like, no, that's not the case. This guy scored heaps of goals. They don't have... You give, that, you give someone like him a chance around the 18-yard box, a clear channel, he's going to put it in the back well, of the And that's an excellent point. And that, that's exactly the... the uh, there's not just the Atlantic Ocean separating North America from Europe. And what you have is you have the NCAA, you've got a college system in which creates really good players. And, and Europe, why should they give a shit? They know Julio Cesar. They know he's played in Europe. They know blah, blah. And, and it's almost as if, well, we see but they want to put holes in him. Yeah. And so you just, got scored, you just got scored on by an incident of a player. Right. And that's unfair and not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaving that in. It's that's, not cool. It's not but, cool. But it, you know, it's, it's not, not cool. cool. You, know, you know, it's that classic, <laughs> fuck, it's that bullshit, you know, or a more MLS attack, you know, and, and he scored a beautiful goal and because he's trained well yeah. he comes from a good system they're trying to slam the quality of the yeah game. and that's not right yeah so you know julio cesar is a great goalkeeper and he got he got scored on by a really good goal and there's no shame in that yeah what we should be complaining about is daniel henry's back pass which went to nowhere yeah well right, right up the middle to to a new england player yeah. and that's without delving into that i mean that's something that at the start of this year that's where we need to watch for for daniel henry is right. how much he evolves we've seen obviously physically and athletically he's stepped up his game from a defensive standpoint he's improved like his, his tackling the timing of it's great but it's that last piece is his passing mm -hmm. and it's that's kind of the thing we said at the outset if if ryan nelson as a former center back can't get this kid uh, you know his game oh, even his, Caldwell. yeah get his game well rounded then there's an issue there's there. a problem yeah. yeah and then of course 
you know, as we get through this first half, I think there's no, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about in the second half. Cause obviously the second half we've, we've just mentioned it where it was surprising. And of course the overall disappointment in this game of Toronto coming out of the second half and you'd expect that a one, one tie, I don't know, just to be this for them to come out hungry and not just being told that or saying they got to be that way, but actually, you know, seeing it on the pitch and we didn't. And it's, I have to wonder and I have to question, you know, what's being said in the locker room. And, you know, Steve, Steve Perry said it, I don't know if it was last game or the game before where they put on the screen, one of Ryan Nelson's post game or halftime speeches. And he was like, I was actually, I was like, sort of not, it wasn't inspirational. Well, the stuff, the, 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 they're doing those mini shorts about each game in the beginning of the season. Well, they're showing. They're, I guess they're showing like the little clips from the from the, the from the doc right. that that uh, the TFC is putting All out, for right? One or whatever. Yeah, it's and it's like he's like, I didn't look. It's I didn't, tepid. Yeah, it, it didn't. Just, it didn't seem like he was really inspiring the team, and I yeah. have to wonder. And it's it's kind of tricky too because when you have an incident like this, it's like, what is his experience? He has none to draw on, right? From a team that's at home, one on one draw. To, to kind of say, all right, guys, this is what we need to do. You know, he just looks at he just looks at probably Defoe and Bradley and is like, hey guys, off like, you go. Yeah. You're on the field. And I think that was the disappointment from for me anyways, going to the second half, is that Toronto didn't come out and really do anything different, yeah. look any different, uh, step up their game, change anything. It was just they just went through the second half, hoping that, you know, if they if they launch the ball upfield, maybe New England will screw up. And, and it happened yeah, a couple times. So much of that. Going uh, back to Cesar as well. Back passes, a lot of that. Trying to push forward, high balls over the over the midfield. That never works. That rarely works. Yeah. It worked. It worked with Real Salt Lake against us. Like two or three times. Yeah. I was surprised. But Salt Lake is a fathoms a different team than we are. Well, they're more they just the consistency's been there right. for, for seven years. It doesn't work for a team like Toronto. No, and, and for me, like to what I was seeing from that, and again, I'm I'm sort of reluctant to delve into the topic of Ryan Nelson too much, mm. but it still says to me, like, it says the team's out of ideas. And how can that be? They were out of ideas early in that second half. Right. So, and, and of course, the question that I pose is, like, what is this team working on? What did they work on for the last two weeks yeah. in practice? How, can, how has this team not ever been, it's, I know it's a hockey analogy, but I do know that in that first series where it was the avalanche against Minnesota in the, in the early game where Colorado came back, uh, Patrick Waugh said, for the last month, we've been practicing six on five. And, and it finally paid off. Right. And I can't help but wonder, like, does Toronto, what do what they, they practice? I'm curious what they work on in terms of scenarios mm-hmm. to kind of to, to build up the pressure and say, okay, because obviously last year and obviously for a long time, this team has been in positions where they've been down. Right. So they should be very familiar with, with right. having to come back and having to turn things back on. This isn't a team that needs to necessarily needs to practice. Hey, if we're up 3-0 at half, how do we control it? Right. It's more like how do we fight through tough situations mm-hmm. to come out on top? We, I would expect we would know how to deal with that, and it doesn't look like we do. So no. I, I'm just kind of – that's something that's in the back of my mind that I can't – I was watching this game, and I said, we deserve – we don't deserve to win this game. No. I mean, it seemed to me that uh, Ryan Nelson – and what it always has seems to be as when he took this job, that he it's he's more being farm for who he knows than actual coaching ability because he doesn't have a lot of coaching ability. So it goes back to who he knows – who he can uh, bring to the team. So he brought Defoe in. Or, or brought Cesar. Right. 
So I think he's they're relying on a lot of the veterans. He's relying on Caldwell a lot. He's relying I mean in the halftime or it was a no, a break in the play in the first half. They were have it was a there was an injury off to the side of Cesar and there was groups which I was talking to the guys at one ten is like look there's groups of TFC players talking to each other which you didn't really see a lot in the last few years there wasn't a lot of communications on communication on the pitch you had no leaders no real leaders mm-hmm. Everybody, even Torsten Frings wasn't much of a leader and he was a captain wow we're seeing more more communication which is great but I didn't see anything come to fruition from those conversations. It didn't seem as if they 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 really see the bigger picture of everything. Everything seems to be seems to be situational. And then when it doesn't go their way, everybody sits back or everybody falls apart. Yeah. And and you can't rely. You need your coach to kind of guide the way. I mean, sure, there have been stories of coaches who have let the teams play. Uh, the Sampdoria team from the '90s was like that. It, but they win championships. They end up winning winning big games. We don't, and they have a lot of they have a lot of really good players. Toronto has a mixed bag still, and you can't just rely on two or three players to kind of lead the team, which a lot of them don't have championship experience. Nelson needs to step up as a coach and as a leader more so than he has been. I don't. I don't want to know if we we missed any key points through this game. I mean, obviously we can correct about the referee and. And so, that penalty so like, was a true penalty. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not going to complain about no, that. No, you can't. The only problem I had was I told Cesar to go to his left, and he went to his right. Yes, I know. I, I called it. That's right. You did. I need to yell louder, I suppose. Yeah, I guess so. Um, or speak in Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to do no, it. No, don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, but you know what? I think I think as we kind of like come out of this game, of course, it's a two, the 2-1 two loss. To me, the question and the last little bit that I want to delve into, Andre, is a bit of a discussion we had on the way home and probably one that I think people will be talking about. You heard it in the stands, a lot of people complaining, and it's it's the, a, the attack of Toronto FC, the two strikers. I don't know how I'm going to frame this or how we're going to get into it, but of course, when you spend on two guys over almost $8 million a season, yeah. you know, I can, of course, criticize th- that because to me, it just seems like such a silly... It's like, oh, we didn't score very much last year, so we're not going to buy one. We're going to buy two strikers. Double our money. Double the goals. You know, it's just like, uh, it doesn't really work that way. Come on now. But it is a a relevant discussion because we have two guys that, obviously, Gilberto had three really good chances in the first half, didn't convert any of them. I think he's going to get criticized. He was getting criticized. Part of it I don't think is fair Mm. because there was parts of his game that I saw. I mean, he won almost every long ball from Cesar. That's true. He didn't. Ha- he had a good game, I think, other right? than his final touch. His final touch, but people are going to judge him on, on that. Because that, that's what he's paid to do. But almost every time that he missed that final touch, he was a key part of that build-up. That's true. Right? Like, yep. he would win the ball back, put it out wide, set up the pass. So, And I think he's in a position now where his confidence is very shaky. He, mm. he knows that he has gone too long without scoring a goal and is probably doesn't have the confidence... Uh, in his game, and I and I I feel bad for him because of that because it's that's just the way it is. But then we have, of course, Jermaine Defoe, who was really quiet this game. He really only had that one chance. He is coming off of injury too, and you can really see that two of our star players, Bradley and Defoe, looked hesitant. Bradley, but Bradley plays a much more uh, integral integral position on the team. I mean, he's he's the second in command in my books under Caldwell in terms of captaincy. And uh, he plays hard. Yeah. And when I wasn't, I wasn't seeing him play as hard as he has. And um, but you were saying, and, and this was this you brought this up before, is that 
from this game, did you see Defoe getting what he needs? No, Defoe wasn't. And we talked about that earlier with Jackson, is that you're not. You need players. That's what my concern was when we, we signed Jermaine Defoe from Tottenham. Jermaine Defoe is a player, and for all his years in Tottenham, he scored goals. But there's a reason why he scored goals, because he had the service. If you don't have the service, he's a straight striker. He can he works his ass off in the box. He can. He can de- de- deke out defenders when the time is right, but that's rare. That's not a lot. And so in, well, was with, with Tottenham and with Portsmouth, he had that service to go there and to score goals. That's how a true striker has to score goals. He can't go from midfield to the goal all by himself. He's not Maradona. So those are his limitations. And we don't get that service. You don't get that. Bradley can only do so much. Bradley is a physical player. Bradley's trying to move the ball. I don't think he's being played as a true number 10. I think he's everywhere. He's a lot like we were talking about before. He's He's a lot like Torsten Frings. So he was everywhere on the box. And you said earlier in the game that... um. The reason Frings did that was because the team fucking sucked. I don't think it's as bad as that with Bradley, but Bradley likes to move. He likes to keep moving and keep the opponents guessing, which is great. He's got a huge engine. Works. Exactly, and he can score goals and he can pass. But with Defoe, you need that service. And when Bradley's not giving him that service, if ever, you need someone that has quality. And I know we're going back to what we said before. And Defoe has to, in those opportunities that he does have chances, like he did in the second half to tie that game, he should have taken it properly. And he did. He had a good shot on that. I, I personally thought it kind of got a deflection, but it's, you know, whatever. But he missed. <laughs> And then that was it, you know, and talking about confidence, that's dangerous business. You have Gilberto, Gilberto, and uh, Defoe, and they don't start, they don't score. Defoe hasn't scored because he's been injured for four weeks. He hasn't scored today. He might play against Vancouver, but he needs to start scoring goals, and he needs to keep scoring goals because that's his paycheck. Yeah, and I think the other thing that we, that, uh, we talked about in that setup, Andre, and that's the... Maybe that's why my thought is that Di Rosero needs to be out there. And while Jackson did get that goal, Jackson, if I recall correctly, Aaron Nielsen can correct me, is that he's known for a lot of shots, but not a lot of shots on target. And we need more shots on target. And that's what I don't think we saw enough of because that's another part of Defoe's game. Exactly. And and it's also part of Gilberto's game too is that... Jump on uh, the rebounds. Yes. Or you have these guys, these talented supporters... Mm -hmm. Wingers, whatever, whoever it is, the supporting cast that's playing behind them right. are capable of scoring themselves yeah. and creating chances on goals. And then they are lurking in the six yard, 18 yard box to either get on a cross or get on a ball or get on a rebound. Yeah. If we're not getting shots on target, there's no rebound for DeFoe or Jabelle. Yeah. New England's goalkeeper up. didn't seem to be extremely talented, you know? So I think that they could have gotten shots, at least tested him more. Test, 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 test. Cesar got tested. Cesar makes the saves, right? Cesar kept us in it a bit in the end because um, our defense kind of, everybody was pushed forward. So, yeah, you got to make you got to test the goalkeeper. And you have the talent, the three, four, five players up front that can make, make those goals get on that bounce. Yeah. So looking forward, we have, you know, actually, before I say looking forward to the next game, I think I just, maybe we'll just throw out there looking forward. What do you think? the solution is right now to at least turn our fortunes, get more goals. You know, what, what change would you do? It's tough because with what we have, right? I think the squad we played today is capable of winning games. Yeah. I don't think Jackson should be starting. 
I think Di Rosario should be starting every game if he's if he's healthy enough because he has the talent. You don't need to play him for ninety minutes. No one said he needed to, but I think he should have started this game for sure. For sure, you make an you have to make an impact. You haven't played in two weeks, almost two weeks, and you need a win. And uh, Bradley was saying in 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 the Star and the press the other day that you got we have to win these games. They have, if they won these games home next few home games, they could be top of the table, top of the East. And the way they played today didn't look like that was a team that was going to top anything other than another list of who's not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And that's unacceptable. All the money, et cetera, et cetera. We know the story many times over. And I'm sure we were saying Lewicki and Bezbachenko were looking at this kind of tearing their hair out. You know, this is old school Toronto FC. And you can't put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and you got to, you got to. Can't put one pebble in the pond, No, no more pebbles in the pond because really that the analogy nor pebbles don't work. (laughs) But also we need better coaching. We need Nelson to go out there and really, really have a voice and really need to see the changes happen on the pitch. And I want to go, I want to go, hey, that was Nelson's choice. Yeah. That's Nelson's control. Nelson's a good coach. We don't. Th- I think Nelson is a player in my head somehow. You know? Well, let's let me like let me just let me throw that next little bit out. And you know what? We're asking. I'm asking a lot of questions. I should ask this to the listener as well. I mean, I know we don't interact with. I don't speak to space as often as I should. <laughs> but I feel like we're these are things that someone who's listening to this podcast obviously has their own opinion. I'd be curious to know if whether it's on Twitter or in the comments uh, in the post game or whatever is saying. You know, what change would you make to the lineup? And then of course. I didn't want to get into too too much depth on Nelson, but I, you know, three three losses in a row. Do you think Lewicki or Bespachenko are questioning him as a head coach? Yeah, I think they've always questioned him as a head coach. To personally, I think they they're, they're businessmen and they're smart individuals, and they know how to use people for better or for worse. And I think Ryan Nelson has a lot of connections. He's still young. He's he's only out of the game what not even two years. So. He's got a lot on uh, to offer, and and I think the players players always respect players. They always respect ex players because they know they've played the game. So uh, I think that's going for Nelson. But that's that's that that I what, think that only takes you so far. I was gonna say that's that only, only that gonna it, take you so far. That gives you a handshake and like this is my bro. But then yeah. then at one point the player the player needs to look at that coach, and they need to be coached. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, they don't need a locker room buddy. They no. need a guy that just says. Tells you what to do. And goes out there, busts some balls, right? And, you, and, and I mean, every coach has their own style. You read all about it in every book and everything, you know. But some players don't like that, blah, blah, blah. But you've got to, you need a coach. We need a coach right now who's a coach. We don't need a player. We need a coach. We need, like when I'm sitting and looking at Cesar in the goal, in, in the goal I'm confident that that guy's going to save. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't look at the bench and look at look at Nelson and go, I'm confident he's going to be a good coach. Yeah. I want to see someone. You're talking about dropping money on players? Drop money on a coach, right? Drop yeah. money on someone that's going to steer this ship properly and efficiently. Yeah. A Bradley. Yeah. Imagine him coaching his son. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah. Right? Well, he hasn't done it since he was like 15 or right. 16. And that's a – just to like wrap that up is that – and I we've kind of touched on it before, but it is something that – you know, we haven't seen something much. You you don't see it much in MLS of the league getting like a top shelf keeper, and you don't see it very often of them going out and getting a top global manager right. or a head coach. And I and I wonder why that is. Why it is that they're willing to spend all this money on a David Beckham or whatever? Where wouldn't it be more beneficial to have a guy that would stand on the sidelines like a Gus Hiddink? Yeah, that would. 
essentially take a team to the level, to a professional level that the league has never seen. And his work would, you know, he would develop good players, yeah. probably put something in place with that organization. Yeah. They could probably go out and win the CONCACAF Champions League. That's what I would think that the league would recognize or understand. 100%. And we, we drew the parallel with Lippi at uh, Guangzhou Everglade, yeah. where once he showed up in that league, they've been, they've dominated because mm -hmm. they went out and got a top international coach. Yeah. So I'm curious if at any point that's crossing anyone's mind to really go out and spend the cash to get a pedigreed head coach. I, and we've seen in the league that the coach, like Bruce Arena, right? Like he comes into LA, he turns that ship around, and now they've been a stable side for the last uh, six or seven years. Well, it's strange with MLS. We're talking about having ex-players coach their teams. It happened at Real Salt Lake. It's happened in New England. So um, it's a it's MLS is a great starting point for 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 co for young coaches, but really, I think um, certain teams need old hands. Well, and that's that's. Maybe it's, again to tie that in a slight criticism because the league has this this idea that they're going to be a top global league by 2020 or something like that, mm -hmm. and I wonder if you can be a top global league without the top coaches. You're just relying on players. Players can only take you so far. You need to have a good bureaucracy, and that starts with coaches. Yeah, it starts with owners. Owners that are smart enough to go and say, "I need a good coach. I need a good face." It's always the it's always the default. <laughs> you say the craziest. I know, thing. but it's true. I need a good face. It's true. Well, you got Defoe, sure. You've got Defoe. You've got Beckham, but that's that's glitz and celebrity. You need someone that's that's strong. That you need someone that goes out there and has won games and won leagues. Right? One player doesn't do it himself. Yeah. A coach doesn't do it himself. But a coach, a good coach behind in that dugout. That goes that goes to me further, and players will want to play for that yeah. for that coach. I'm just picturing the board meeting with my wiki at the head, and like Tim, what do we need? We need a good face. <laughs> we need a good face, guys. And they're like, "What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean?" Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll wrap this up at that point. Uh, the next game coming up is against Vancouver on Wednesday. Yeah, on Wednesday, and we'll keep it quick. Andre does. You know, we've we, this has been a discussion for a couple of years in terms of like, what do you make a priority? Is it these off these sort of sidebar tournaments, mm. or just the league? And obviously, we're going for the Canadian championship. My thoughts is, I think Toronto should gun for this Canadian championship, and then when they get in the Champions League, play your kids, play the reserve. Yeah. I, th I think it's important. It is a, a morale boost to to say we beat Vancouver, we beat Montreal, we beat whoever. Yeah. We've lifted this trophy. And uh, I think that's what the goal should be uh, Wednesday against Vancouver. They're re trying to rebuild. Yeah. It's still rebuilding. And the funny thing is, the worse Toronto is, the better they do against Montreal. I know. And, <laughs> and Vancouver. It's Especially true. Vancouver. Every time you look at Toronto and say they suck right now and Vancouver should kill them, Toronto beats, beats them somehow. Them, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But get, get, get Becker to play. Get Rosario. Well, I don't know. Rosario looked crippled at the end of that game. Oh, yeah. He was clutching his knees. He played a bad. decent game, though. He did have a good game. But I'm hoping he's not badly injured and that he can maybe play Wednesday. And if they don't play Wednesday, then they've got a bye, right? So then he's okay. Hopefully They have the weekend off. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not interested in, in this Canadian Championship nor Champions League because the Champions League is always in conflict with MLS scheduling. A lot of players don't play all the time and they always end up losing to top-tier Mexican teams that have been playing for a while. So, because the leagues are different. Um, the timing's different. Scheduling, yeah. yeah. So, um, anyway... But I think this is the year they should just t tank it, forget about it. Really? Even the Canadian Championship? Yeah. 
Yeah, to hell with it. What do you need to? What do you need to just be sidetracked for? We, we're losing games again. Yeah. This is important to us. The ML getting the playoffs is way more important than any champion. You, you can't think about Champions League glory or wherever you want to think Concacaf stuff until you're do, making an, an impact in the league. And otherwise, then who cares? You're never going to be taken seriously. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, there's the other side, flip side of the coin. Well done, Andre. Okay, you know what? On that note, we're going to end this up, wrap it up within one half of football. I love it when we do that. That's nice. Keep it nice and short. Uh, Andre's at Rosna. You are at, at Spleeps. At Spleeps. Find it. Have you got any new followers? I do. I have 45 followers. Isn't impressive, that something? Impressive. But it, since and since we've told people to go find you no, on At Spleeps, no. No, you've been stuck on 45 for like... No, I, because I, 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 I have friends in Japan and I've got... And then I've got met met some people on tweet on Twitter through in England because I support Tottenham. So, um, yeah. So that's how you get. That's unfortunate. Why? Well, it's unfortunate that you, that you, this year. That's, <laughs> well, it's not, you know what? It was nice to see Defoe. And we were talking about you yeah, know watch the high, TV. That's nice for you. That was nice for me. That's your I guy. patted you myself see your, on the you back. You see your guy every week. You know, you try. Yeah. Well, maybe not so much this season because he wasn't playing a lot. Yeah. But um, it's nice. It's cool. It's almost surreal because you don't. I mean, I'm not a goo goo gaga over over celebrities, but it's uh, it, you know watching Cesar even. This is like, oh, cool. You yeah. know, it's hard to believe sometimes I think, that he's playing in a rainy on a rainy May day in Toronto. Yeah. How many How many Champions League and uh, Serie A champions stand on BMO play for Toronto? Exactly. Like that's and have a wicked haircut. That's kind of cool. Yeah, and he's uh, going to be playing in a World Cup this year. Yeah. But that's a whole other maybe story. at this maybe. rate. I know <laughs> he played well. He's been getting. He got some. Oh man! I you know what I just forgot. What's that? My last sight and sound. Sorry for the. No, that's all right. we, we, we teased. Do you. it. Sight and sound. If people listen to the World Football Phone In, they should listen to last week's because there was a huge segment on Toronto and how Jermaine Defoe apparently practiced saying Toronto. Is that right? Yeah. Not because if you listen to people who aren't from the city, they call it Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Toronto. And he's learning how to say Toronto? He's practiced. How oh, it to might say, not be so hard because he practiced how to accent. say Toronto. And then he, oh, the whole show, they were saying Toronto. Is that but still they, on? But, yeah, you can pick it. It was last yeah. week's. And the, the one thing, though, again, to be consistent with the criticism of Cesar, it was the North American co- correspondent was said he's not doing so good. Yeah, that's horseshit. And I was like, I don't agree with you. Not at all. He looks like he's totally vested in this team. Yeah. I mean, it's not. I don't blame any of those, the goals that he's like. I don't like he's never let in like a real no. howler. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just been like, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I expect know. him to stand on his head. Anyways, okay. So, at that note, uh, you know, reach out to me if you uh, agree or disagree with any of these points. We threw out some questions. I'd love to hear your opinions on who our starting 11 should be. If you think uh, Mr. Nelson is in any trouble after three losses in a row, who that falls on, for example. Mm. And uh, if you're checking out the site, I highly encourage you to check out. We've ran a feature on Sigma FC, where Kyle Becker came from. And uh, part two of that series is up, giving sort of a background on how they have looked at developing player, Canadian players specifically, and give trying to get them as many options as possible to continue their career nice. and push towards being professional. It's really, really inspirational uh, cool. when you, when you find out what's going on at the grassroots level yeah. and that it's in Canada and it's it really is at a pro level. Uh, you just don't hear about it enough. Yeah. So hopefully, people check it out uh, and pass it around so that there is. There is some encouragement. Not all our best players are coming from Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal. There's people out there taking care of it on their own. And there's going to be some Canadian internationals coming out of Sigma. That's good. Mark my words. That's good. All right. On that on that point, on that point <laughs> zip it up and zip it out. <laughs> we'll catch you guys next time.
Eastside Stand Up is the only Toronto specific podcast breaking down the game right after it happens. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or on email at info at rednationonline.ca and share your thoughts on how the Reds did on the pitch today. As well, check out our other podcasts on rednationonline.ca from the Black Hole and the Gaffer and Hooligan, giving you all the coverage you want on Canadian soccer. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. What do you see? Kids with feelings like you and me.